here we are back to redefine another topic today i really want to talk about redefining yoga and i've got a very gorgeous guest here with me today jyoti but i want to just start with a little history which is why i find this topic really interesting and important um i started doing yoga when i was 21 so like 18 years ago it's quite a long time ago and i remember my very first yoga class just having the most profound experience my teacher had just returned from india and i was studying psychology at university and um I don't think I'd ever been offered a space where I could connect to both my physical body and my spiritual body in such a safe container. And it was only then that I discovered that actually the physical body is the portal to the spiritual world for us having the human a human experience and it was beautiful and profound and and of course I was like okay like I found my thing also it was very funny kind of the story the only reason I went to this yoga class was because all of my friends at uni decided to sign up to this gym and I was like never been to a gym before I'll try it you know peer pressure I'll do whatever all my friends are doing I'm 21 right and um we go we sign up to this gym we do a class and I do my first ever pump class I don't know if they even exist anymore but it was like you have these little steps and you have these weights and you do a sequence that a teacher teaches you and like fine I hated it I was like what the f is this but then I had this pass because I paid for like three months or whatever it was and the only classes that I was interested in were the yoga classes because I was like I don't want to do weightlifting this is horrible (laughs) and so it was almost like yoga found me and then I personally went on a journey with yoga I never trained to become a yoga teacher it wasn't my interest at all I just really enjoy the practice for myself I went to India and I did a lot of yoga courses and experiences and things like that. And something that I have noticed across the past 18 years of practicing yoga and being in this world is how much it has changed. It is a profoundly, profoundly, insanely different thing than it was in that first class and in those classes in India. And so this is why I'm so excited to talk to you, Jossie. And how about you introduce yourself a little bit so our listeners know what you're about and why you actually know so much about this topic. Mm, Thank you so much for having me, Vienda. I'm also super excited um, to have this conversation with you. Um, So my name's Jyoti. I am the founder of my wellness company and I'm a yoga teacher, a menstrual cycle coach, a holistic wellness educator and most recently a podcast host. So my podcast is titled Decolonizing Wellness and it's really about um, speaking to people from the cultures that wellness practices originate from and understanding their history, their roots and how we can start to really appreciate rather than appropriate them. And of course, yoga is a huge topic. And I trained um, over two years ago now and went to India to do it. And it was a a truly incredible experience. Um, 
And I definitely hear what you're saying um, in terms of yoga changing so much over the years. Like I can see from the older yoga teachers in the space, how they're so rooted to the practice and to to the roots of what of what yoga is. Whereas when you look at the more younger yoga teachers who, you know, are my age, uh, I'm 28 or less, they're very kind of not all, but are very often um, yeah, then it's, it's all about the asanas, about the physical postures, about essentially doing gymnastics on the yoga mat and, and that kind of thing, which of course is is not what yoga is about. And whilst the asanas, the postures are, are a part of yoga, it's not the only um, part. So yeah, I think having this conversation is so important. Mm. So I guess one of my first questions is, when I learned about yoga, it was a philosophy and a way of being and then the asanas or like the physical part were to help the physical body be able to better live out those philosophies that was my understanding anyway and then um now when I go to like a regular yoga class it's like an aerobics class it's like you know can you do a handstand how far can you bend can you get into these postures, blah, blah, when it was never about reaching a, this, this aesthetic, um, idealized posture or set of exercises, it was actually originally in my understanding about connecting to your body in such a way and moving your body in such a way that you felt that you were able to liberate yourself from the things that were keeping you stuck mm. how did we go from there to here what happened <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh what happened um <laughs> well i mean yeah so firstly you're right yoga is um it's kind of um like a noun and a verb so it's like a state of being but it's also something that we do and I think perhaps that's where like the confusion has come because you like you said yoga is a philosophy it's a way of life it's a way of being and you know we practice yoga to reach yoga so it's a bit it's a bit confusing because you're saying I'm doing yoga um to kind of reach the state of of enlightenment yeah <laughs> um so yeah, I mean, the the kind of the end goal of yoga is to reach this state of enlightenment or samadhi or um, inner peace, you know, yeah, whatever you want to call it, exactly. Mm -hmm. um, and very much like you said, kind of, you know, freeing yourself from the things that are keeping us stuck. I really like to see it as a way of kind of, we sort of no longer identify with like our body or our mind. Like we have this other part of us that we, we realize that we are. And of course, that that doesn't mean we don't care for our mind or we don't care for our body. And I, I think there can sometimes be a bit of confusion around that as well. Um, but yeah, it's it's such a a beautiful practice and it's it's quite um sad really to see to see what has happened. And I think, I mean, why has it happened? I guess there's there's many reasons and things that I guess I won't I won't even be aware of, but of you know people have been to india they've seen the practice and then they've brought it to the west and and some of those are indian or south asian yoga teachers and 
I mean, what's the most marketable part of yoga is, is the asanas. You know, you see these beautiful, skinny, usually white women um, in their, you know, their Lululemon leggings and they've got their hundred pound yoga mat and, and all of these things. And, you know, that's where capitalism comes in and that's where, yeah, that's kind of the aesthetic that's easy to sell. And like being yoga is now synonymous with like being a vegan or being healthy or, you know, all of these things. And so many people come to me and say, oh, I can't do yoga. I'm not flexible. And oh gosh, it really drives me crazy. Cause I'm like, that is not the point of yoga, but it, of mm. course that's what people think. Um, because that's, that's what we see everywhere. When we see someone doing yoga or they're advertising yoga clothes, they're always in these you know, super bendy postures. And I can't do half of those things. You know, mm. I can't do a handstand. My feet, my heels don't touch the ground when I do downward facing dog. And that's okay. Cause that's not the point. It doesn't mean that I can't still be a yoga teacher or that I can't practice yoga, but actually there's, you know, there's so, so much more to it. We've got all the beautiful eight limbs of yoga. We've got mantra chanting. We've got the mudras, which is like the different hand positions. Um, yeah, there's, there's just so, so much to it. And there's so many layers to uncover. It's kind of funny because, and I wonder if that's just the paradox of life, but there's this beautiful ancient practice that is designed to help you learn how to navigate life with less egos. And yet, in the mainstream world, it has become the biggest ego flex. Yeah, like not people who happen to be naturally bendy and then learn a few postures, which has nothing to do with whether they're good at yoga or not. It's just that that's how their body is shaped and formed. Yeah. Um, then suddenly, I like my ego can be stroked because look at me and my yoga capacity and it's very it's very funny to me um how something that's designed to do the opposite takes some people into this space of like this makes me feel good and as you were speaking earlier I was really thinking about like there's this deeply ingrained desire in human beings to be um what's the word i'm looking for seen and validated and loved of course they're like basic needs but the way that many of us have been taught to get that is to be good or to be perfect at something. And mm. this is expressed in th so, through so many different ways, including, for example, yoga. But I do feel like I'm getting off track a little bit. It was just a thought I was having. So knowing that the yoga that is mainstream and a, a response to capitalism in many ways and also recognizing that true yoga has so many more layers to it, as you were saying earlier, what would be the best way to return to and honor its essence and, and maybe actually practice allowing our egos to take the back seat 
when it comes to enthusiasm and excitement for practices like yoga? Mm. Yeah, I mean, first, based on the thought you were having, like, what does it even mean to be good at yoga? Because it's a way of life. It's like, you can't be good at life or bad at life. You just you just do it right. Um, so I think that's like another common thing that that we that we so often say, because again, of the world that we live in, you know, everything's so black and white, like this or that good or bad. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, how do we appreciate and honor yoga? I mean, I think understanding the history and doing your own research around, you know, the practice that is so spiritual and so sacred and, and understanding, I think that, um, you know, when the British went to India and colonized India and ruled there for many years, they banned yoga and they banned Ayurveda as well. Why? So, if I'm being perfectly honest, I'm not, I'm not hundred percent sure perhaps, um, because they thought, um, it was too like woo woo and spiritual, or perhaps because they wanted to inflict their own ideologies onto, onto India and, you know, it's such, even still to this day, like it's unlike any other country, I think in the world, like n- nothing makes sense yet. Everything works there. Like it's, it's complete My favorite chaos. Thing. I yeah. love the chaos. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> complete chaos yet. So, there's so much peace within the yeah. chaos. It, it's, yeah. And it's synchronicity. Like, it's like, yes. I mean, you know this, if you, I would be terrified at the thought of driving in India because there are no rules. There's like 75 lanes going in all different directions. And yet it's so smooth. Everyone's moving. Everyone's getting where they need to. There is a lot of communication happening between drivers. Everyone's paying attention to each other. So just because there aren't like these linear rules like we're used to in the Western world Mm. doesn't mean that that's not effective or like, what doesn't work it's amazing I actually love it yeah same and I think as I've gotten older you know I've been going for many years I've really been able to appreciate that that part of of India's culture um so I think understanding that you know that's what's happened and now the West are very much almost claiming it as their own practice and selling it back to us in in the wrong way um yeah so just really understanding that that's really interesting I'm going to interrupt for a moment because Mm. as you were saying that I was like oh and I don't know if this is happening so I'd love for you to tell me is the westerns version of yoga being brought to India and sold in a whole different way I don't believe so. No, oh, thank the goodness. <laughs> oh my God. I was for a moment there. I was like, wait a second. <laughs> Are we doing what we're doing to close, to close there to their own culture? I don't think so. Um, maybe like there's some yoga studios, more Western ones in like the big, big cities. Um, but I mean, those aren't usually the places that, that I go to when I go to mm-hmm. India. Um, but I mean, on that, in terms of like when I went to Rishikesh, which is said to be the birthplace of yoga to to learn, yeah. it was very, um, some parts were very westernized and very tailored to, to people that will be going um, to learn yoga there, yeah. Um, who are, um, yeah, who are white or from the West. 
you know, there was a lot of vegan this, vegan that, whereas generally in India, you wouldn't find vegan anything anywhere else yeah. because of course, you know, cows are, are so sacred and everyone yeah. drinks milk and, and eats it's no nutritious. And, yeah. Yeah. Um, so that was quite a shock to me. Um, however, the way I learned yoga there was very um, traditional and how, how it should be. So I guess there's a little bit of both. Um, so yeah, understanding that the history of that yoga has been through. And then I think also just thinking, you know, who are you learning from? Who are the people that you're following? You know, are they are they honoring the roots of yoga themselves? Mm -hmm. Are they just showing you how to do different postures and poses? And whilst that's fine, um, you know, what what else are they are they saying? You know, are they teaching you the pranayams, the breath works or the meditation? And also, I think diversifying the people you follow. I mean, like for me, when I was trying to find guests for my podcast, I did find it quite difficult to find um, South Asian yoga teachers or someone who's Chinese that practices traditional Chinese medicine. And, you know, it goes mm -hmm. obviously beyond yoga, but trying to find these people and they are out there. Um, obviously, I'm one of them, but there's there's so many different places that you can actually go to when you start looking you will find them. And I think, yeah, just um, learning from different sources, not just white yoga teachers, um, I think is is really important. And I guess also thinking, you know, where if you go to yoga studios regularly, who who is there? Who are you learning from there? And how are they teaching yoga and perhaps questioning them? Because if, if people have never been questioned, then they're going to keep doing the things they've always done. Mm. So perhaps asking them, you know, what, okay, you teach all these asana classes, but what about having a meditation class or a breathwork class or a ch mantra chanting class, or, mm. you know, asking them different questions and, and seeing what their response is. So you can, I guess, understand um, where their, yeah, where their, where their knowledge lies, I suppose. Um, and also giving back, you know, we're taking this practice from India and from South Asia, because obviously back then India was a much bigger country than it is now. So are you giving back to those places? Um, whether that's, you know, buying your yoga equipment through companies who do give back, or again, through South Asian um companies or teachers and so on i think the the reparation side is is so important and something that's often looked over um but it's actually such an important part um so that people of color and of south asian descent are able to to have this as their careers because so often we're told when we go into these yoga spaces oh you're too spiritual oh you're not this enough you're too much of this so you're you're not allowed to teach here. And um, that's not been my personal experience. However, I know it's happened to so many different teachers, um, especially in the US. Mm. Um, so yeah, I think I think that's another important factor. Mm, that's really interesting. It's almost like what I'm hearing is that there's an exclusion, like we don't want the full practice of yoga, we only want this small piece. Exactly. Mm. Uh, it really hurts my feelings to hear that. And I recognize that because, I mean, yeah, it's excluding so much of what is behind 
and the point of the movements that we're learning really really interesting so for people for whom this concept is new too for whom they'd only experienced the very um, new modern iteration of yoga and they hadn't hadn't been um just haven't haven't had the opportunity to experience yoga in the in the fullness what would you recommend they do i know you said like like go do some research and like learn about the history but is there are there actual places or or online spaces that you would recommend that people go to so they can have a much broader perspective of what yoga really is yeah i mean shameless plug listen to my podcast um it's called decolonizing wellness and you know i speak to incredible um yoga teachers from around the world who are um are of south asian descent and really explain things so beautifully and we have some really great conversations so that's a great resource you know if you're listening to this podcast i assume you like podcasts so that that's a great way to do it i think um from there kind of finding people to follow so there's another podcast called yoga is dead and um the two people that um speak on there so Thajal and Jaisal are amazing people and they have their own kind of communities and um of like more South Asian yoga teachers there's um yeah there's many different people I suppose on Instagram I think um, I've also written a series of blog posts about yoga philosophy and digging really into each of the, so the first two of the eight limbs. So there's eight limbs of yoga and the first two are nama, niyamas, sorry, yamas and niyamas. And there's five within each of those. So I've written some blog posts about each of those and digging deeper into those and how we can really start to understand them. And it's things like ahimsa, which is a, you know, quite a common word now. I think most people know what that means, but but actually digging deeper into what it means because yes, ahimsa is nonviolence, but it's on the physical level, the mental level, and the um speech like speech level, mm-hmm. the thought level. So thinking about all those different kind of bodies that we have. And in those blog posts, I give like journaling prompts so you can really dig deeper and do your own exploration. Perfect. And I think really like yoga is a journey of self-exploration. You know, it's it's something we can we can use and we can live by to help us uncover all of those layers of conditioning that we have mm. and really think about getting to the essence of our, the core of our essence, the essence of our core. You, you know what I mean? Like getting to, to that core, to that point, um, of ourselves where we feel that inner peace and we yeah we don't we don't identify with our ego mm-hmm. gorgeous what's the best way for people to find you mm, so i am on instagram which is at my wellness company uh, my website is mywellnesscompany.co.uk and all my blogs are on there um and yeah on you know link in bio has has everything that you need perfect Last thing before we go, if there was one thing you could leave our listeners with that you would just love them to hold in their hearts and and maybe allow to sink into their bones, what would it be? Mm. I think that you, you are enough and I think yoga really teaches us that 
because as I said, you take away those layers of conditioning and you, you get to the essence and you look inside yourself. I think that's another beautiful part of yoga. We're so often taught in this world, especially as women to look outside of ourselves for all the answers. That's where they're all going to be. And I know you, you very much teach and live by this as well, Vienda, but actually you know, the answers are within. And if we can stop and we can listen, we can tap into our intuition or whatever you want to call it, we can, we can really start to understand ourselves and yeah, to see that we have everything we need um, already within us. Mm, perfect. Thank you so much for your time. It's a, such a pleasure speaking with you. Thank you for having me.